Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spiegel, and we are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is key logistics of overseas product sourcing. Today's guest is the founder of Unicargo, a freight forwarding and warehouse company with extensive experience and expertise in the e-commerce space, especially on Amazon FBA World, digital freight and warehouse placement. Unicargo specializes with marketplaces such as Amazon, Shopify, Target, and Walmart. A big welcome to Rafael Elbaz. Hi, Rafael. Hey, Andy, how are you today? I'm great, thanks for joining us. You know, so Thanks we recent, yeah, we recently launched a course on selling Amazon and sourcing products. But if you source products internationally, then of course you need to figure out how to get those products to the U.S., which is why I'm really excited to talk to you today. So, what are some of the obstacles to importing large quantities of products from outside the U.S.? All right, that, that's a great question. So, as as far as I understand, as we know, most e-commerce businesses and sellers actually import their products, right? They are not being right. done domestic. Most of them are actually importing the products. So it means that they need a logistics partner, uh, a company that would help them import the products, make sure they are compliant, uh, run them through customs clearance. And the obstacle and challenges, basically, A, I would say, is finding the right partner right, to be on your side, to educate you on things and make sure you are doing the right thing, take your hand in hand. Um, B is making sure you are compliant, in compliance, right? There are what we call a marketplace compliance, which means what you need in order to sell on Amazon or Target or Walmart or any other marketplace you work on. And that's one type of compliance. The second type of compliance is actually the import compliance. What do you need in order to actually import the product into the country? Sometimes these two different types of compliances are different, right? You would need uh, a certain certification or approval to sell on a marketplace, but a different um, certificates or labels or graphics to actually import the product into the country. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about that. What What is required to bring product into the country and get it through customs? Right, so the main question would be what type of product are you importing, right? There are different product categories like cosmetics would be considered as FDA regulated, um, toys, uh, Consumer Safety Product Commission, not only toys, but every product that intended to the use uh, of kids under the under six years old, under 12 years old, sorry. Uh, so every different product category will have different requirements. Uh, I'm here to say that most products, right, general products doesn't require a special certification or or uh, licensing or, or anything like that. But in any case, before 
producing, right? Even before paying a supplier uh, of your products, right? Before you go into production, you got to make sure you consult with your logistics partner or your logistics provider and, and share with them the idea, share with them about your product, uh, the design, the, the, the idea, the actual product, and make sure you're not missing anything under the compliance, right? Because once you source a product, right, you find the factory before you actually place your order, you want to make sure that factory has the certification needed, right? You don't, you don't want to be caught in, in, in an instance where you actually paid for your product, right? You paid 30% of the production, 50% of the production, and all of a sudden you figure out that, oh, sorry, the, the factory doesn't have the certification required to input into the States or into, into the European Union. And that happens a lot, by the way. Really? Now, what amount of fees the taxes is that a gen is it again depend on what type of product um how how does i don't even know how do the duties and in, in taxes work on, on importing products so on every product almost every product imported you have to pay import duties right if we're talking about the us we are talking about import duties if people want to import to europe uh, these are import duties plus vat uh in canada these are import duties plus gst uh, the actual duty percentage is based on the actual product and where is it coming from, right? The country of origin. Uh, there is what we call an HS code, HTS code, harmonized system code. Every product gets classified with different code and different tariff. And based on that code, you would understand the percentage of duty that product would pay. And that, that percentage is based off the actual value of the goods, right? So you are buying products worth of, I don't know, $50,000 worth of products, your HS code associated with your product will say, hey, this pays 5% duties. So basically you would pay 5% on of that $50,000 uh, uh, worth of goods. And I mean, I you know, you said that it depends on the country, but what what is, I mean, it's hard to give a ballpark, but I mean, we talk in duties are like 5% typically, 50%. I mean, what? Um, so... Let's exclude China, okay. even though it's the biggest manufacturer today. If we exclude China, I would say consumer products, you know, products that we typically see on e-commerce businesses, you would look at between 0 to 10%. That would be the, the, the major range. Uh, if products are made in China, there would be an additional Trump duty uh, or a section uh, 320. Uh, and that goes up to, I would say the average would be 15%, 16% are out of your value, your imported value. Now, and that's China. Is there other, I mean, does it, it matters and where you're importing from as far as is what country with taxes, but is there other complexities with importing products from China? Well, besides from duties, the complexities of importing a product doesn't really relate to the country of origin. It relates to the actual nature nature of the product, right? What 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 is it made of? What its intention? Um, is it a medical device? Is it a cosmetics? Is that uh you know thing that touches food or or a product that uh, has medical claims? Uh, but I would say that it's not the origin of the product, it's the nature of the product that it. makes the, the compliance or the, the complexity of importing a product. 
Now, what are what are some of the common mistakes that you've seen companies make when when trying to import their products? So the first one we've already discussed. The first one is basically not not make not making sure you're in compliant in compliance before actually producing your product before actually starting production. So I would say compliance and import regulation would be the first, the biggest mistakes we see, the biggest by far, that would be the biggest. Um, second is lack, lack of education, all right? And that's very typical for e-commerce businesses, especially people who are just starting out. Obviously, you know, it's very different from a traditional importing company where they have a supply chain manager with years and years of experience and he knows the ropes and he's done it for many years. So when we see e-commerce businesses and that's a, that's a type of customers we work a lot with, they, you know, they go to a course or they sign up for an academy, they learn on how to sell on Amazon or how to sell on Walmart and they become these good marketers, but they still lack of real life experience with regards to supply chain, right? Importing, production, quality control, all of that. So the, the, the second thing would be lack of experience or uneducating yourself or not learning enough on even simple stuff like incoterms, right? When you talk to suppliers on your trade terms, how do you buy your products and all of that. So I would say that the, the second biggest challenge, it's not a mistake, it's a challenge. Uh, it's mostly uh, lack of education or lack of experience. Let's call it this way. The third would be not choosing the right partner. Or, you know, it's very, very easy to have your supplier produce your products and actually ship it for you or act as your freight forwarder. But that is a very, very dangerous place to be in because when you have your supplier, the, the factory do your logistics, you are mixing up very different things together, right? The supplier, his job is to manufacture, to produce goods. That's what he's good at. And when you ask him to do your shipping or ask him to ship it to your door or to your warehouse or to Amazon, you're basically having your supplier contact his freight forwarder, let's say in China, and now he becomes the client and not you. And your interest might be different, right? Now you have a problem, you need to go to your supplier and he, in his turn, need to go to his freight forwarder and you don't have direct communication with your logistic partner. So the, the third biggest mistake would be not working or not choosing your own partner, your own freight partner, your own logistics provider when you can call, take the phone and call up and make sure you have, you know, you get your questions answered or when there is a problem or delay, you can talk to someone. Now, what would be an example of where there would be different interest as far as the person who, you know, that's producing it for you versus your interest? All right. So if let's say I'll give you a good example, if your supplier is trying to make a buck on you, right, he's trying to buy at $50 and sell at $100 or buy your shipping at $1,000 and sell it in $1,200 to you, right? He's trying to make a profit because he'll now need to work on it. Uh, so he might choose the slowest possible option to pay the less amount, you know, the, the cheapest possible uh, freight. Uh, but your interest is to get it as fast as possible to your market, right? As fast as possible to Amazon. And now you've basically paid the cheapest possible price 
right? Because that's what your supplier cho chose. And in logistics, there's a rule of thumb that says the 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 cheapest means slowest, right? And more expensive means fastest, right? And air right. freight can take one day, but it's the most expensive way to ship. Ocean freight is much much cheaper, but it takes 30 days, 40 days based on your final destination. So speed versus price would be one conflict of interest, right? Um, secondly is um, there is what we call the consolidation or or shady stuff being done under a consolidation, right? Chinese freight forwarders or foreign freight forwarders, non-registered, non-FMC uh, licensed, um, they would have different tricks, uh, very old tricks that freight forwarders can do that can put your product in jeopardized, in jeopardy, can can risk your supply chain. For example, you might not be the importer of record. You might not be the name of the bill of lading. You might, might not be the owner of the product until it gets delivered to your door. And that might be another conflict of interest. But I would say the biggest conflict of interest would be your desire, right? Your needs as far as speed, as far as budget versus your factory needs or your supplier needs as far as, you know, his, his, you can one you can bet that his um desire or needs is to make a buck right to make money because he works right you'll you'll have questions for him you'll call him you'll ring him you'll ask where is your shipment you'll ask questions and he would need to put the time and effort to make sure he answers it or make sure he asks the logistic provider and forward you the question so his interest would be to make a buck yeah, no, that makes sense. Now, I see you guys also offer a service for your clients where you can actually ship directly from overseas to an Amazon FBA warehouse or Walmart or Target. D tell me a bit more about how that works. So basically, if Amazon allows you to, if you have enough um, inventory space within your, you know, on your account, the, the cheapest possible option or the most cost-effective option would be shipping from your factory directly to Amazon, right? You would, you would be able to skip a 3PL, right? Skip a warehouse. And there is additional cost in working with a warehouse in a destination in, in the US, for example. So what would happen is we would either give you the actual instructions or advice on how to prepare your shipment for Amazon, right? To put the box labels, to put the SKUs on the products and, and how to pack your products and how to make sure you're in compliance with the marketplace compliance. And that would be the the, the 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 best way to save money or the 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 the, the most cost effective way to have your supplier do it, right? Your supplier you, you would put the labels, the box labels, he will pack it accordingly, and we can actually check that he done it he's done it right, right? Because we have our team in China, we have our own offices in China, and before we go and pick it up, we actually check with a supplier that is actually filled your instructions or our instructions and prepared that shipment for Amazon. This way we can have it shipped directly from China to the port and from the port, it goes directly to Amazon. You can save thousands of dollars basically in the middle. How did COVID affect shipping on your end? I, I know here in Southern California, there were, um, it was way behind as far as there were just boat after boat, uh, it wasn't getting unloaded. How did uh, how did you get through COVID with with shipping? Well, COVID was a very very interesting time for freight forwarding businesses. 
was a very profitable time. I have got to be honest because, you know, container used to cost 1500 bucks from Shanghai to Los Angeles, 1200 bucks. And all of a sudden it became 15,000 bucks, right? So as far as prices, prices went through the roof. The prices was the highest since containerized shipping, since they invented containers, that was the most expensive prices for containers ever. Um, and as you mentioned, backlogs, there was huge, huge, huge backlogs. The way it affected our business is that shipping was booming. Everybody was shipping, everybody was ordering e-commerce was booming like crazy. So there was so many cargo out there and there was so many clients needs to ship their products, but there was less and less capacity in the market, meaning space on vessels or empty containers. Because think about it, all of these vessels lining up in the north, um, you know, Southern California shores, standing there, there were, there were time where there, there was time where there like 40, 50 vessels lining up, waiting about a month just to anchor. And all of these containers were supposed to bring back empty containers to their origin countries like China, India, Vietnam. And when these empty containers couldn't get back, you couldn't find an empty container in China. So even though you have so many clients needs to ship, right? They want to order, they want they want you to ship their products. There was a very big problem actually finding an empty container to fill the products in. Or and once you find an empty container, there's now a problem to find the space on a vessel to put your container in. So there was a huge, huge, huge demand and very, very um slim supply. And and it's uh, it's a very interesting thing for a business. Imagine that you have so many clients lining up, waiting in line to buy your products, but you have no products to sell. But they oh. still knock on your door and they, they're screaming, I want to buy, I want to buy, but you have no products to sell. So that's that's a, that's a very interesting uh, time for business. That's what drove prices up, by the way. You know, There's so much demand and less supply. Now, has that have those prices come back to where they were before? Yeah. Prices came back. They were actually even a bit lower than pre-COVID. Uh, but now they are going up a little bit. Uh, not too dramatic, but uh, we, we still we see container, container prices from Shanghai to Los Angeles these days. We are talking about $1,600, $1,700 for a full container load pull to port, right? Without picking it up or delivering it to final destination. Now, if you had a crystal ball... How do you see the shipping industry changing over the next year to 18 months? Well, that, that's a very interesting question. Um, I would say that there would be a lot of consolidations in this space, right? Because a lot of camp companies in the past three years, and you know, since COVID started till it ended, we look at it about or almost three years, shipping companies were very, very profitable. Freight forwarding companies were very, very profitable. And a lot of them recruited a lot of people a lot of them invested big big money on tech or development software development and all of a sudden prices came back nobody believed that prices would decline so fast we thought that these prices will last for a couple of years or at mm -hmm. least stabilized in around five thousand dollars container seven thousand dollars container we thought it would never happen again where shipping company would lose money right when shipping a, a container at a thousand dollar rate or twelve hundred dollar, the actual vessel, the, the shipping company, they actually lose money. Mm 
And we thought that times would never come back again, but it came back very, very fast. So now we see a lot of shipping companies, a lot of freight forwarding companies working on very, very slim margins while their expenses are through the roof. And a lot of them are either closing shop or either being bought, like consolidated, bought by bigger shipping companies. So we think that there would be less shipping companies available out there or not not, or not available, but there, there would be consolidation. Big boys, big companies buying out smaller companies. And yeah, that, that's what we see happens today. Now, what advice would you give to a listener who would like to source products from outside the U.S., but they're worried about importing and dealing with customs and everything that goes into that? I mean, well, where, where should they even start? Yeah, so I would start by, you know, reading out or educating yourself on, on you know, simple stuff like how does it work or what, what what's an air shipment or what's an ocean shipment, what's import duties or how do you custom clear? There's so many information out there. Just Google it or, or, or on YouTube. There is so much information and knowledge out there. Uh, so you can educate yourself. Now, remember, you don't have to be an expert, right? You don't need to sit hours and hours in, in order to learn freight forwarding because you work with a freight forwarder, right? So the best advice is find the right partner for you. Find the company. Let's say you sell on Amazon. Find the freight forwarding company that specializes on Amazon Marketplace or have a lot of experience working with Amazon sellers or e-commerce businesses. Why? Because they've worked with guys like you. They probably know that you are have no experience or very little experience and they would be very patient to help you out or go on a Zoom call with you and explain how things work, right? So you don't have to be an expert. You don't really need to understand everything. You just have mm -hmm. to find the right partner. Just like in graphic design, right? You need a graphic design done for your product. You don't go and learn graphic design. You hire a graphic designer. Now you want to hire someone you have good communication with. You are, you know, you, you have good vibe and, and, it, and it just works. Now, so the best advice is, is finding the right partner. Find the partner. Now, do you have a, a favorite success story of, of a client at Unicargo and how you've helped them grow their business that you could share? Well, we, we have we, we have quite a lot of them, all right? So, you know, our company is very special in that regard because we built the company this way that we work with a huge variety of sellers. We work with people who are just starting out. That's their first shipment ever. And we work with some of the biggest Amazon sellers in the world. We work with the biggest aggregators, FBA aggregators in the world. And and in the middle, like small ones, medium ones, and huge ones. So we have teams dedicated to their success in every for every size. We have a special team. So we have actually a special team that is dedicated to smaller sellers they would know that they'll have millions of questions and they need to take them hand in hand. And there is no one single success story. There's a lot of them because we see that our clients, most of our clients that start and take this business seriously, they actually grow. And we see that by the number of shipments, right? They start with the first shipment and we know because we have a lead qualification team that, you know, you come to us or you send an email and, the next thing you get from us is, hey, we'd love to help you. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. How many shipments have you had? Is that your first shipment? What are you trying to? So we get to know our clients. So we know that we know that clients started with and saying, hey, that's my first shipment ever. 
and within a year or two years they become a client that ships three four five times a month right so we see that the clients are growing amazon is a great place to be in even though a lot of people would say that it's saturated and it's not you know what it used to be back in 2015 and 2016 but we still see a lot of success stories people are making it out there again people who put the time and effort people who take it seriously and you know it better than me if you look at it as a business and you work very hard and you persist and you don't quit you'll see success now who is the perfect client for working with you guys i would say that from a beginner up to um up to a big size sellers would be a perfect size for us obviously us as a company we welcome all size sellers every whether you're just starting out whether it's your first shipment or whether you have 100 shipments a month um that would be a perfect client for us we look at clients the same way if if they are small or if they are big we have dedicated teams to deal with small small clients and we have dedicated teams to to deal with enterprise clients uh so for us we we value each and every client even though even if it's your first shipment we want to we want to help you grow because again some of our biggest clients became with starts you know they started from shipping one product or having their first shipment with us and we saw it and th that's one of our strategies is basically treating every seller the same way doesn't matter your size and how does your fee structure work well freight forwarding in general fees are based on a quote right you you come to us with your shipping dimensions your volume and your weight your ship from and your ship to mm -hmm. right once we get that information we build you a quote and 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 that's it once you approve the quote that's the price you're gonna pay right shipping 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 the shipping world or freight forwarding world works on a, a low margin level and a lot of transactions um typical freight forward would make between seven to twelve percent on and but that's embedded in your quote so the quote you are getting from a freight forwarder that's include the freight forwarder profit inside of it and how can an interested listener learn more about working with you uh yeah just google unicargo oh uh, we have a very good presence both on social media our website has a lot of great content and you know you can learn more about us can look me up on LinkedIn or Facebook um, or just, just Google Unicago. You'll see all the references out there. Uh, recommendations, Trustpilot, everything is out there. Well, this has been a, a fascinating chat. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up today? Um, no, keep up the good work. And if, if some of our listeners are, you know, they want to take their, you know, business building process or journey, into the right step just putting the effort having a business on amazon again we've been in this space since 2015 eight years now and i can tell you for a fact that building an amazon business is not uh is not something you do on the side it's not something you can do from a two hours work it's you gotta put the effort like you would put in a brick and mortar you like you would put in any business that you would build you gotta put the effort the time and if you would do that, you would be able to succeed. Well, this has been great. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, Andy. Have a great day.
For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding Raphael or Unicargo, you'll find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our podcast resource center available at podcast.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all of our different past guests by show topic included each of their contact information in case you would like more information on any of the services discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing. 